students, alums, and members of the Penlaw community, welcome back to Penlaw Perspectives. I've missed y'all. It's been a while since I've released an episode, and so much has happened since that conversation with Sade. One significant thing that's happened since that conversation is that I had the opportunity to reconnect with an incredible person with a tremendous story of resilience and courage, and she happens to be a Penlaw alum. Back in the fall of 2020, I sat down with Clark Edmond, the co-founder and executive director at Crate, and a member of the Penlaw class of 2019. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you all. A little bit about Clark. She was born in Virginia and moved to Atlanta as a teenager. After undergrad, she returned to Virginia and worked at a jail in Richmond. She had aspirations at the time to be a criminal lawyer and fight for criminal justice reform, and that initial desire brought her to Penn Law. In this conversation, we talk about Clark's journey to law school, how she made the decision to take time off to pursue a master's at Sotheby's in London, how she dealt with questioning her desire to practice law while in law school, and how she found her passion, fell in love with art, and started her company Crate, a space for new collectors to celebrate fine art. I'll let Clark share the rest, and you'll hear from her in a few minutes. But I do want to say this before we hop into the conversation. Clark's journey at Penn Law is one that I believe should be highlighted and recognized for the lessons it provides not only for law students, but for any student who may be questioning their academic and career interests and is struggling to find purpose while traversing the virtual hallways of their institution. If you're in this position, take Clark's advice. Don't doubt yourself. Use your school's resources to find what you want to do, and once you find it, be steadfast in your pursuit. I hope you enjoy Clark's Penn Law Perspective. And your internet. <laughs> I was too. I was like, oh, dang, this like connection. I don't know. It's always like, something we can blame it on. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm okay. Like, I'm good. All things considering, like... You're studying for it right now, right? I was, yeah, I'm, I've decided not to take it. I've decided to take it in February instead. I just, like, can't take four weeks off of Crate. Like, I just can't. So I'm just going to spread out the studying over the course of six months and just, like, just do it that way. Yeah. I've started already and I worked with pretty hard. So it's kind of, it was a difficult decision and I kind of, I just want to get it over it with. Yeah. But I'm not practicing. So there's really no rush for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So the last time we saw each other was outside the law school. Yeah. Actually, that was 2019, right? Yeah. It was definitely 2019. I thought the last time, maybe I'm missing. Well, I, I think the last time I saw you was on 19th or no 21st and Spruce. I think so because I like you were walking or maybe that was just one time I, I saw you. I think you're right over the summertime. Yeah, and we just ran into each other on the street. I, that's the last time we saw each other. Yeah, that's right. Because I think I yelled your name, and you're like, "Who is this random person?" Yeah, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, that's definitely what happened. Yeah. So what what's happened since? So 2019, yeah. you you graduated. Um, yeah, I graduated, and that was a pretty big deal. Um, then I took the summer, and I interned at an art gallery in New York. Yeah. Um, it's called Jack Shaneman, actually my favorite gallery. And um, 
So that was a great opportunity. And at that time I was also studying for the bar <laughs> and um, yeah, that didn't work out so well because <laughs> I was like, just, I don't know. I was just doing my thing yeah. and trying to get into the art world and, you know, having fun also. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so after that, I started working remotely for a startup. It was a legal tech um, based out of DC and I was able to work um, remotely from home for a while. So home. it was interesting with the pandemic. I was like already. Home being D.C. or home being New York? Were you? Being being D.C. Like okay. I was like based in D.C., but I worked remotely a lot of the time. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I was working for the startup. And then actually like a couple months, I worked remotely from Bali which was pretty cool. Um, and uh, are you recording? You're recording now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which was pretty cool. It was a great opportunity. Um, it, just a great, not an opportunity. It was a great experience. Um, yeah. So that was pretty interesting, like working at a co-living, like a co-working space, like that whole digital nomad situation. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, came back to America and the pandemic hit basically. Yeah. And um, so that was, you know, it was a shock because I was in the middle of, you know, looking for jobs and I was like, Oh yeah, like things are getting going. I'm going to come back, you know, move to New York um, and things will be good to go. I really took that time um, after graduating because I mean, I was just questioning whether or not I wanted to practice law um, mm -hmm. and deciding whether or not I wanted to take the risk not to. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was in school for such a long time. I, you know, was in law school, but I also took a year to do a master's in art business at yeah. Sotheby's in London. Yeah. So I was just in school for a really long time. And during that time, I was like, just questioning whether or not I wanted to do law the entire right. time. Like ask anyone that I was in school with, even my professors, they were like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what she was doing here. Um, mm. Until my 3 year, that was like kind of where I hit my stride. But anyway, okay, yeah. going back to it, rambling a bit. Yeah, so I came back to America and I just started working on Crate. I, I met my business partner the summer, like a year ago. Okay. Um, in New York, my best friend Kyra connected us. Okay. And we met, I pitched an idea to her and she was like, down, Gucci, like, let's go. Yeah. Um, and so when I got back to America, we were just going to like hit the ground running. Um, and, you know, so much happened, but it was actually interesting because the pandemic and, you know, the resurgence of Black Lives Matter. I mean, I know it was like, it's continuous and ongoing, but, you know, after the death of George Floyd, it was sort of like people were looking for conversations around art and um, it accelerated everything. So mm. that's like a short version of what I've been doing over the past year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not as straightforward as every law grad. Not gonna I love lie. it. You've definitely had a unique nomadic, like you said, experience during law school and after law school. Yeah. And I think it's so important for people to hear this. We took a class together 
but I was definitely just inspired by how you operated in the law school and also the fact that you took an unconventional path. Like, I want you to know that it was inspiring to me what you did by going to London, getting a master's, and just making your law school experience what you wanted it to be. But I'm curious, you did decide to go to law school, and I'm curious, you know, what, what led you to that point? I'm curious about your path. Can you tell us a little bit about growing up in D.C. and what you ended up doing before law school and why you decided to go to school? Yeah, I'm, I was born in Virginia and lived there for like the in D.C. and Virginia for the beginning of my life, basically. And then I moved to Atlanta okay. when I was a teenager. So when people ask where I'm from, I say Atlanta because that's really like where I learned to drive. And yeah. I spent <laughs> there my whole life. I just... I, I don't know. I really got to know that city more. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going going back to your question. Yeah. I mean, what you said is so true. We all have a narrative that we come up with in our mind. And it, it's very real. I mean, those the passions that we have lead us into law school. Um, I definitely started questioning those things when I started school because I didn't know if it was the right fit. But, you know, um, ultimately, I don't know, it's sort of like law school, the skills that I learned, they've helped me today. And it's really, you know, crafted and shaped the way that I move throughout life. Um, So um, going back to the beginning, I was a political science major in college. uh, And I took a pre-law course during my senior year that I did well in. And um, I'd always been interested in policy and really, really policy, not as much, you know, like law, like the cases, but really, um, but political science concepts and the discourse around it. So um, yeah, I did well in this class. And also my dad's an attorney in Atlanta. Uh, So it just made sense, you know, also uncle's an attorney that's, you know, everyone in my family sort of doctor, lawyer. Right. Yeah. It, it was an option that Mm -hmm. I saw and I didn't really know anything else. Yeah. Um, so after I graduated from law school, because I thought I wanted to do criminal justice actually. Um, and I just, I worked at a jail (laughs) in Richmond actually. Uh, I was a classification specialist. That's this was after this was after undergrad. After undergrad, yeah. yeah. So I was like twenty one at that time. Okay. I for a year I worked in a jail, and that was really interesting. I went in, you know, optimistic, and my first day, I was like, "Whoa! Like, what yeah. did I get myself into?" Uh, I my mom wanted me to leave. Um, but I, I'm stubborn, just like, you know, being <laughs> for three years when I didn't know if I was supposed to be there. I was like, right. I'm just going to see this through. Yeah. So um, during that year, I was studying for the LSAT. and While working at the jail. jail. Wow. While working at the jail. <laughs> <laughs> it it's bad. like, what, yeah, what's the worst thing you can do while... Thinking back on it, it was not the best decision. <laughs> I basically set myself up for depression. It really wasn't... <laughs> So that was a, a lonely year, I have to say. You know, in a new city, I was living with my aunt and uncle and um, studying for the LSAT, working at a jail, 21, wow. one of the few civilian women uh, working mm-hmm. at the jail. And I think I was the youngest, too. So 
from that experience, even though it was really positive, I learned a lot. Um, it was incredibly enlightening. I, but I quickly learned that I didn't want to do criminal justice or have, you know, I, that wasn't my path. Mm. It was just, um, I'm just too emotional. <laughs> I think I, I, I took everything home with me. Uh, just, you see so many things in the jail and I specifically was working in the high risk mental health and high okay. risk, you know, like the dangerous people <laughs> mm. that tier. So every day I would check on them, make sure they were okay. Basically I kind of talk to them every day yeah. and it was pretty hard to see the reality. I mean, I was green when I came in, just fresh out of college, right. never really worked. I'd never been to a jail before, but the first time I was in a jail, I was working there. So, um, and you know, through this, through this year, because I thought I wanted to do criminal justice, I was applying to, uh, law schools with the narrative that I want to do criminal justice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind sharing a story from that experience in the Um, jail? There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, this is kind of, I'll get two because I think they're both important to say. Um, I was like, my first experience, I think my first week, I was flashed <laughs> by a resident. Um, that was pretty traumatic. I, you know, it was incredibly violating and I, It was just a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't have much else to say. And, you know, in this system, I think I I learned very quickly based off of that experience, how hard it is for, I I don't even, it's hard to say, but like sexual assault victims to file claims uh, because the court system is incredibly, it's like the entire process is litigious. The entire process, it's, it's difficult for anything to happen and you really never know what's going to happen. But in your, when you do it, you're taking the risk of being in court for a very long time and having to think about that one moment or, you know, many moments or years. I, you know, there's so many different circumstances. Oh, this is like, I rarely talk about this. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I've not many people know this actually. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm very, I know this. This is my year of yes. I'm saying that to myself. I'm trying to be much more open because I tend to not be <laughs> very open with my life. Um, so yeah, that experience was pretty difficult, and that was my first memory there. Um, another memory was there. Um, there was a resident who suffered from you know, mental health issues. And, um, he was like, he had physical, you know, I, I, I'm probably not being as PC as I should be, but, um, he was born with disabilities. I could say that. And, um, so he was actually in and out of the jail. I mean, every week I would come across this file every week. I would have you know put you know check him in to the jail Mm -hmm. and um so he was usually on the high the mental health ward um or tier that was sort of safer because it was close to our office um and it wasn't you know like within the jail um but 
you know, I, I, I did read through his file and some pretty great, you know, there, there, there are a lot of traumatic moments that happened in his life in and out of the jail. Um, so yeah, he, he'd gone through a lot in his life. So there was one day I, I chose to go in really, really early so I could leave early and go study. So I was heading to the jail around like 5 a.m. And I stopped at the Wawa to go get some hot chocolate, which I did every day. <laughs> and um, I'm walking out the door and I hear, Miss Edmund, Miss Edmund. Mm-hmm. And I turn and it's him. And I was like, oh, hi, you know, a little bit, you know, caught off guard because I rarely saw residents, these right. people outside of the jail. Right. Um, but it was, when I remember it was the middle of winter and it was freezing cold and he didn't have a jacket or a coat. And it was just, oh my God, it broke my heart. Um, just knowing his background and what he'd been through and like going out of the, you know, every time he comes out of the jail, he's just basically um, exposed to the elements and just life in general. So he had a really tough life and, you know, things like that, you really, they make you reflect on um, the incredible amount of blessings that you can have. Like certainly I have had, um, in addition to that, okay, I'm going to add one more. I know I'm being long, but there, I have to add something positive. <laughs> Please. Um, so every year um, around Father's Day, uh, the jail would throw like a festival sort of fair for the children of the residents. And their like families would come and there'd be games and food and um, like, you know, presents and things like that. Um, and I was chosen to, um, run the face painting stand (laughs) (laughs) and that was just such, that was like my best day at the jail. I mean, it was on a weekend, but it was so fun just meeting the kids and painting their faces. I was really good at it. Everyone said that should be my side hustle. So I might do that someday. You know, if create doesn't work out, like I'm definitely going to go that route. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe create some art that'll be featured on create. Maybe. I mean, I I do paint. I mean, I did. I don't do it as much now because I'm pretty busy, but you know, whenever. It's your year of yes, right? (laughs) It is my year of yes. That's really powerful that you were able to have that experience prior to law school and that Thinking about what you did right afterwards, I mean, it, it does make sense that you chose to go to law school and wanted to pursue criminal justice. But it also is really interesting that one thing that you did, one of your last memories there, a positive memory was doing art, painting kids' faces, right? And like is, I never thought about that, actually. <laughs> like thinking about what you're doing now. So post your work at the jail, you got to law school. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like? And can you take us to the point where you decided to take that year off and moved to London? Um, Yeah, so, I mean, coming into law school, it was exciting, like orientation, everything, meeting the entire class, especially the Balsa family was so great, but I came in in a bad place, I have to say, knowing that, or really questioning why I was there. Mm -hmm. So I I have to preface everything that I'm about to say with that. Um, So I was excited, but probably not as excited as I thought I would be when I was applying. Um, But yeah, and you know, going into the, it it wasn't, uh, it wasn't ideal. (laughs) 
And I, I hate complaining because I have had an amazing education and so many opportunities have been afforded to me through Penn. You know, it has been, I mean, I wouldn't have anything that I have right now if it weren't for like my family and my education. Um, and they gave me my education basically. But um, it was, it was hard because I saw my peers, my classmates get really excited about everything and I just wasn't excited. Um, so that was, it was just, it was difficult. I, I really can't explain it any other way. I was envious of everyone else who was like, just geared up, fired up, ready to go. One of these jobs were so excited about OCI and like just every aspect of law school. And I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So actually, um, and this, okay, this is, I might be saying it in confidence, but yeah. So I went into law school with realizing that I had pretty serious mental health issues actually, um, that I had prior to the year at the jail. And so I went in, you know, not sure if I wanted to be in law school, but also grappling with these new realizations, mm -hmm. um, you know, being on medicine for the first time and trying to get on a, you know, a regimen with that. Um, and so I, I have had two first years of law school. I've been in two classes, basically really three, because I took the master's. <laughs> I did the master's. But um, so I went in pretty depressed and I had a really hard time, a really bad bout of depression. And I basically ended up burning out and um, I left after the first semester. Um, that was really difficult because I actually, when I had this really bad incident happen, it was right before finals. And because I'm stubborn, I went back and tried to do finals mm -hmm. and I like study for finals after this really difficult experience. And like a couple of days after I tried doing that, I went to, what is it called? Like the, the mental health services at Penn. Yeah, I went in there and I called my parents, CAPS. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. stayed up in CAPS, so I don't know how I forgot it, but yeah. Amazing resource at Penn. Yeah. Um, I know it's, it saved a lot of people in our school, especially. Um, so I ran in and I called my parents and I was like, I can't do this. I have to leave. And yeah. they were just so understanding because they were really worried about my health. So yeah. um, then I took a semester off. I told myself before I left, I'm going to come back because I was like, I have to do this. I have to do it. I said I was going to do it. I put so much work into getting into law school. Um, but during that semester, I interned at the Smithsonian, actually. Yeah. Um, I started seeing a therapist regularly and was meeting with psychiatrists to get on a good regimen. It was basically like a time of healing. I needed to heal myself. Yeah. And um, it was like the best few months of my life, I have to say, because I just was getting healthy. Yeah. Again, at the Smithsonian, I was surrounded around like just art and artifacts all the time. And I actually, that's when I just, I found art, my love of art. And it just really, oh, everything opened up. And I really, I, I, everything happens for a reason, I swear, because mm -hmm. um, I, at one, I was given an assignment 
to do research on the artist Alma Thomas, who's from Georgia, but you know, she lived in DC, she worked, she went to Howard and was a professor at Howard. So there were just like all these connections. Um, and I was looking in her archives and going through her notebooks and just learning so much about her. She actually has a portrait, uh, not a portrait, I apologize. She has, she had a work in the Obama dining room. Oh, okay. It was like the centerpiece on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can like look it up. It's a pretty famous picture. I'm about um, to picture it in the dining room. So yeah, after that experience, I was like, fuck yeah, like I love art. So. <laughs> but I didn't know a lot. So I came back to school and um by the end of the year, I was like, I'm gonna do this master's because I spent more time researching art in my classes <laughs> than actually paying attention. Sorry, yeah. professors, no shade, like, great, you're wonderful. <laughs> you're, be, you're, you're being super honest. It's refreshing to hear somebody be honest about, you know, how they felt about certain things. I would say that something that you mentioned earlier around folks being excited about certain things in law school, you wonder whether or not that's actually genuine at yeah. times. You wonder whether or not people are being honest with themselves. So to hear your perspective of being super clear with your own understanding and reflecting this on how you felt saying this isn't this isn't for me and just sticking with that it you know pushing yourself and, and trying to work through it but ultimately going and searching for the the resources that you need I think people need to hear that because I I would I would bet that there's a lot of folks who are just continuing to push through just because they don't see any other way or they haven't heard anybody else's story that has done otherwise or there's no precedent for them to to make that change so i really applaud you um, thank you so much that's amazing to hear um but i have to be honest it wasn't that straightforward i did i questioned myself the whole time um and it you know it took a lot not only to you know decide not to practice law after law school, after graduating, but also to, you know, decide to do the master's and to decide to follow my heart. I mean, I was really grappling with, I mean, just seeing like, just like things like just the amount of money that like <laughs> lawyers make, things like that. I was like, why am I deciding to not, I mean, why would I, wouldn't I do this? Um, so it took a lot, but you know, now I'm just so happy that I made those decisions mm -hmm. and all the struggle for those four years was totally worth it. Now, now that I think about it, going through it, I was like, mm, girl, you crazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, sorry, where was I? I don't even remember where I was. Um, so you're, you're speaking about the, the artist who has the painting in oh, yeah. Obama's kitchen, her name again? Um, Alma Thomas. Alma Thomas, yeah. Um, and yeah, I decided to do my master's, came to London. That's where I am now, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that experience was, I mean, just, it was wild. I, the art world is, I mean, it's nuts. It's just so exciting. It was so fun meeting people from all over the world with the same interest as me, but with so much more experience. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't even know what a triptych was. That's like a three, it's it's an artwork with like three, made of three parts. Okay. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know like basic terminology <laughs> in mm -hmm. the art world. Um, so it was, I mean, there was a learning curve, definitely. 
but the support system there, professors, my friends, my peers, they were just so amazing. And I learned so much so quickly. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I came back to law school, finished it up. It was a struggle, but I'm glad I did. Well, I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you were in London, was there ever a moment where you thought to yourself, I'm not coming back. I want to stay here. I want yeah. to finish this master's and maybe integrate myself into the art community here. I have to say, like, I really didn't. <laughs> I didn't at that point. I think, you know, I, but I didn't because I knew I would end up in London someday. Okay. And I left basically promising my parents that I would come back to law school. Okay. So... I'm not going to lie. Like I didn't, I wasn't, you know, completely caught up. I knew there was a reality <laughs> mm -hmm. that I had to come back to. Um, but that made me cherish it, cherish it much more. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I came to London. I visited for the first time when I was about 12 and I knew that I was going to live here or spend a lot of time here. So it, there was no question in my mind. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. You've, so you've lived in some pretty uh, incredible cities uh, with some great artistic influence in Philadelphia, Atlanta, yeah. right, right, London. When you came back to Philly, you know, after having this experience in London, did you try to integrate yourself into the Philadelphia community, art community? And, and what did you discover when you did that? Because I think a lot of students... Yeah don't recognize Philadelphia or don't name it as a, as a city that is filled with a lot of rich art and culture, but it, it definitely is if, if you it take is. a step outside of, of Penn's campus and, and move around a little bit. Yeah, that's a great um, observation because it's unfortunate, but the Penn community really stays on campus and like in Center City, really. We don't venture out into the rest of the world unless you're from Philadelphia or the surrounding areas. So, um, I, yeah, when I came back, I was actually the first iteration of Crate was more about connecting young collectors to local artists. Okay. Um, because I found when I got back to Philly, I was, you know, studying. So I Crate was, a, it was like, it was a side hustle, but it was really more exploration or exploratory. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, had meetings with local artists and went to some meetups with artists where they discussed uh, their works, what they were working on, their inspirations. Um, that was amazing. And that was through the Center for Emerging Visual Artists. There's a, a woman there, Julia Fox, who was just so kind. <laughs> I think I just cold emailed her like, hey, I'm interested in learning about what you're doing. And Oh, oh my god, my phone went off. I you're good. You're good. <laughs> I should have turned that off. Um, so yeah, I definitely tried to do it. What I learned pretty quickly was that um, Philadelphia is a bit, it's siloed. I mean, in London, but it's, it's very rich. It's very, I mean, the community is very strong and um, but it's very different from London and New York because the commercial art scene, what I've been exposed to first you know my first exposure to the art world was like auction houses blue chip galleries those are like you know hauser and worth like really 
high-end, I guess you could say, galleries. Um, and then coming back, it was just, there's a, just a different vibe. I was sort of like, am I cool enough for these spaces? Like, do I belong here? Um, but there actually are a lot of artists that work between Philadelphia and New York. So yeah, they're great artists that like Hank Willis Thomas, he's mm -hmm. from Philadelphia and you know, they're, they're really just dope people who are doing very well and amazing things that work between those two cities. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear, Crate, when did it start? What was its first iteration? Like, can you give us time and place? Yeah, I mean, I first thought of the idea, this has been like almost like four years in the making. Yeah. No lie. Yeah. yeah. I think the first time I thought of the idea, I was in Portugal on the beach and I was like brainstorming names with my boyfriend. And I was like, okay, I want to do this thing. What are we going to do? What is it? And each year after that was a different iteration and just sort of figuring out what I wanted to do with it. So it's interesting. I mean, that was four years ago and here I'm yeah. really just actually launching it, but that's just to say, you know, from idea to execution, there's a lot that goes on between that. Right. Um, actually when I was in Penn, at Penn during my 3L year, I was a part of the Wharton initiation uh, VIP, sorry, the, sorry, the venture initiation program Okay. at Wharton entrepreneurship, that program. Okay. Uh, so that was amazing. I, I applied to that during my second semester. So my last semester in law school. So I was always working on it, but I didn't really tell people about it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which I, I really, I don't share things like I said. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have too many listeners on the podcast, but there will be some folks that'll be listening to this. So, um, I'm so grateful I'm, I'm, to do this. Actually, this is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Out there. <laughs> thank you for being willing to have a conversation. And I think that's really important for, for folks to hear. Usually when an entrepreneur, an artist, anybody that's in the creative space, when they first reveal something, there's been a lot of work that's been put in up until then, right? There's been yeah. a lot of ideating, sort of battering things in your mind, talking to a lot of people. And then finally you take that leap of faith, step out into the unknown. And, you know, you, you've built so much through this experience and create a, a space uh, for new art collectors to celebrate fine art. You know, and you, you talk about cultivating confidence in art um, yeah. collectors and, and to support diverse perspectives of, of artists. I love that. I love that phrase, that alliteration, cultivating confidence. And I think that mission can be applied to law students as they think about alternative careers and as they think about how they can take this law school experience and use it as the constraint that it is to find what they like to do, you know, yeah. to find something beautiful through that experience. Um, if you were to talk to, to law students that maybe you know, are doubting, you know, why they came to law school and are thinking about what they want to do um, mm -hmm. and are not feeling super passionate about OCI and not feeling super passionate about these jobs, especially right now, you know, as, as the model has changed or maybe thinking, okay, how can they, optimize this experience like what would your message be to them um i would say definitely lean on the resources at penn there are from students to administrators to professors there are a number of experiences i mean there's just a wealth of knowledge information out there the network at penn is just it's like unparalleled 
Um, so definitely do that. And I, I would also say, I don't doubt yourself so much. I wish I doubted myself less because it's just unnecessary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just a waste of time. Facts. And um, because at each step, that doubt, it just, you know, I, it's like, I can't even say it was a waste of time, you mm -hmm. know, um, and just be confident okay. in what you want. Be very clear about what you want and be steadfast. You know, if someone, I mean, it has happened. Most of the, my, my community at Penn, um, they were very, they've been very supportive about what I want to do and have been incredibly understanding about one, my wanting to take a different path. But I'm not going to lie when I told people, like, I'm not going to practice law. I had to explain myself. I had to, there were just side eyes. Like, I, why? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Why would you be here? <laughs> um, but you can't let that get in the way. I mean, there was a, one of my um, first classmates from my first year, my first semester, um, Joel Donkwa, he um, told me once, listen to all the advice that you get, but don't take all of the advice that you get. Yes. And um, that was the best advice I've ever gotten in my life. So I took his advice. Yeah. Um, and it's really just about filtering because even if people don't mean to take you off your path, it happens. It right. happens. So right. yeah, that was, that's the advice I would give and really don't be shy about asking for help and advice. Yes. Uh, I love the quote. Maybe my grandma just told it to me and may maybe she took it from somebody or, you know, black women have infinite wisdom. So, you know, I don't know where she got this from. Maybe just, <laughs> just from the top, <laughs> it was just a freestyle, but she, she always would say, chew the meat and spit out the bones. Like be, be, be open to, to every source of sustenance, you know, mm -hmm. but also take what you need to take the rest, put it to the side. And, and I love that. A lot of times the most influential people in our lives can be our peers for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're in a space like law school where it is so it's singularly tracked. It's a one track way to get to a job that's going to allow you to pay off your debt. And that's really what it is. And then like, hopefully, hopefully you're able to find something that you're passionate about along the way and you find good roommates and, and good peers. And you obviously, I think Balsa is something that is so incredible um, in the pen law community. Part. Like that is, that is, yeah, that part, like that is pen law for black students. But if you are honest with yourself through that process and you find something that you want to do that's outside of the law, then that's why you went to law school. You know, that question yes, that, that exactly. peers, yeah, that's that question that, you know, folks would ask you, you know, why'd you go? So that I can get to this point to realize what I wanted to do. So I could have this constraint and it yeah. can filter my experience, my passion, so that I could refine that. There was definitely times throughout my law school experience where I thought to myself, okay, what's the cost benefit here? You know, why mm -hmm. am I doing this? And yeah. I found through IP courses that that's the area of law that I'm passionate about. And then also intersects with how I like to create. But yeah. until that was sort of clear to me around 3 year, you could sort of feel like you're just floating. And yeah. I think that finding an area through courses, finding an area through experience, but also finding an area through sitting down, thinking, and having a lot of boring time to think, okay, what do I actually want to do? And what actually interests me? And I love the fact that 
IP intersects with individuals and organizations' ability to create. But yes. I also think that mm-hmm. it's, yes, I also think that it's, a, it's about economic empowerment. I, I think that it is wrong <laughs> that Black ideas are controlled by white companies. I think mm-hmm. it's wrong that there are so many platforms out here for us to create, but we don't own them. Yeah. I, I think it all goes back to our digital blueprint and what we're creating and where that creativity lies and ownership at the end of the day. So, you know, I've been able to, through the grace of God, but also through putting in the mental energy, the creative energy, and the boring time to sit and actually think about what I want to do, I've found that area. But I also think it, 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 yeah, I appreciate it. But I also think it takes putting yourself out there and trying your best to make sense of the unknown. And that, that's what you've done with Crate. And I think it's, it's so incredible. So I want to I wanna hear actually about um, some artists that have inspired you. I know you, we talk about Black painters. You mentioned yeah. Alma Thomas. Uh, I'm just curious about some artists that, uh, that you're inspired by. I really enjoy Kara Walker's work. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I love her silhouette <laughs> style. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are a, a lot of artists. I'm, I'll choose like three that have inspired me. Um, I mentioned Hank Willis Thomas before. Yeah. I, I love his, I don't, he's one of the most famous artists, period. Not even mm-hmm. black artists yeah. right now. Um, and I just think that he just gets it. (laughs) I can't quite, I mean, it's hard to explain. And that's sort of like what I'm trying to do with Crate. Um, I'm better at writing than I am at speaking, I I find. Uh, But I, you know, his work just really resonates with me. I mean, the way that he depicts um, the black body um, and like you're saying, intellectual property and labor through these brands, through these corporations. Um, he's an activist too. He, um, he founded a super PAC or a PAC called for freedom and, um, with other artists, um, look them up. They're doing amazing things. Um, so I've just always been drawn to his work. And the first time I went to Jack Shaman, uh, actually visited the gallery. He had a show on, um, I also have to say, um, yeah, like the big names, like Carrie James Marshall. I think it's what, for me, my experience, my my entrance into the art world was like through these big black, you know, artists who were just like knocking it out the park, who were just saying so much. Um, and in, in historically white spaces and not yeah. holding back. Yeah. So... Carrie James Marshall's exhibitions um, have, you know, really meant a lot to me, especially this one work. I'm actually forgetting the name right now. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a painting or it's a an image of um, a lynching, but the most of the scene is in white it's like whited out and then it just shows an onlooker a female onlooker looking back Mm. (laughs) just to really capture you know individually like what you question what was going through this woman's head it was a celebration of the the end of a black life um 
but it really just honed in on that. It was just like, it really stuck to me. Yeah. Because it was confronting individuals. And I think, especially right now, that's what everyone has to do. It's not just you as a community. It's you individually. Like, what are you doing (laughs) to make things better, to move things forward, or to keep us back? Um, Another artist, I I really like the artist, um, Sonia Gomez. Sonia Gomez. She's a Brazilian artist um, that works with, like, fabrics. I just really, I think her work is beautiful. Um, There's a more emerging artist. Her name's LaKayla Brown. She's phenomenal. And she creates sort of like 3D works using, um, what is it? Like like molds. Okay. (laughs) With what type of material? Using, uh, sorry, I like wrote about this. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. An actual shame. Is is it one of the articles on on Crate? No, she's actually, I talk about her in an interview that I did with Le Fichel magazine. Okay. Um, LaKayla Brown, so she does like molds with door knockers and okay. grills. So it's just like the way that she depicts um, accessories that are, you know, stereotypically black are really just like relevant and prevalent in black culture. Um, and they're just aesthetically very pleasing um, like I find when I talk to potential clients, they are just drawn to her work. <laughs> mm. Um, so those are the artists that I'm loving that are, have really meant a lot to me. There's, oh my God, Kara Walker, yeah. Amy Sherald. Um, then I had some wine. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. You had a little <laughs> bit of wine. Yeah. Little, yeah know, that was like a, a really bad idea. Um, <laughs> I'm tra- I don't know why. Um, you should have told I, me I would have joined you. Honestly, like that would have, you should have said that.